Hey everyone, this is Tiffany. And this is George. Welcome to our podcast, Richness of the Word. This evening, we will be looking at Jonah chapter 3, and joining us is our special friend, Brad Smith. Well, hello, friends. Brad Smith is one of the elders at Redeemer Church, and we are excited to have him with us. So I got I to gotta be real honest real quick, because, you know, I'm, Brad, I don't think you know this about me, but I am super OCD. And, and you are the first guest that I actually got to get to experience it live. So um, kind of excited and we're going to see how it goes. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, I am very laid back and go with the flow. So hopefully I'll be an easy guest. So is George. <laughs> hopefully we won't have to edit too much this evening. No, we'll be, it'll be good. It'll be good. All right. Well, so we first off want to encourage our listeners to read uh, Jonah 3 with their Bible study group or with their family or, or on their own before moving forward. And now that you have done this, we are going to continue with Jonah chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Um Brad, why don't you share with us a little bit, I see in your notes, talking about how God is the God of second chances. Why don't you give us some details on that and and on that statement of yours? Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, when I read the book of Jonah, and especially this, this third chapter, I'm just reminded of the fact that no matter how many times I and we as, as believers, uh, fall into sin and, and, um, turn away from the Lord. It's it's He is always quick and willing to give us second and third and fourth opportunities to repent and to turn back to Him. Um, and in His kindness and in His mercy, He He just loves us so well. So that's really what I see in this chapter is is that as as Jonah repents and then as the Ninevites repent, um, ultimately God relents of of the uh, the impending doom He has planned for them. Right. God, have, God could have just found someone else to preach. I'm pretty sure if I was God, that's what I would have done after uh, this whole ordeal of, of Jonah running away and everything. Probably would have let the fish swallow him uh, whole and, and, you know, finish him off there and then go <laughs> get right, somebody I'm, else. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm done with this guy. Let's move on to the next. So, yeah, thank God that he is merciful because uh, I'm certainly no better than Jonah in, in a lot of ways. So also, I don't know if you know this, Brad, it, what God says here, he says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. This is almost word for word what God says in chapter one uh, as well. And, you know, and then verse three, Jonah arose. He actually did it this time, right? Immediate obedience, uh I can't help but think, even if he is somewhat reluctant still, which we know he is, um, there's just there's still a humble and obedience response uh, because of God's grace from from chapter two, right? And and God blessing Jonah and showing mercy to Jonah. Jonah is now like, okay, I'm going to go do what you asked me to do. Absolutely, I just I'm reminded of the act of repentance is, is it must be um, demonstrated through our, through our actions and our deeds that yes, it's an inward 
thing that goes on in our heart and in our mind to, to repent and to confess of what we've done wrong. But it's, we show that we are faithful by, um, as James says, that, that the, our deeds show our faith in other words. So we see that now in Jonah that he's going to repent and turn and do what, what God has asked of him. I also looked up uh, this word overthrown in verse four, uh, right? Jonah comes in, gives the worst sermon ever. Uh, very brief, right? <laughs> 40 days, right? And Nineveh shall be overthrown. And this word overthrown has been used and actually, uh, and it has different meanings, the, the Hebrew word, right? Uh, the word overthrown is used in Genesis 19.25 to describe what happens to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and, and it's destruction, it's absolute destruction. Uh, but the word overthrown is also used in Jeremiah 13.23, which describes more of a just a turning around. And I think I thought that was so interesting. We, we've talked previously and in previous uh, episodes about Jonah and the wordplay. Mm-hmm. And it's like here. Right. Nineveh won't be destroyed, but it will experience the other meaning of the word overthrown in that it actually will turn around and change its ways. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how this basically random guy comes to the city and tells mm-hmm. them <laughs> you need to you need to listen to god or you're going to be destroyed or w- what did you just say you're gonna oh be overthrown be overthrown yeah and they just immediately they believe this guy that's coming in and saying this right random stranger and... probably smells like fish <laughs> coming on in yeah and then they just they immediately declared a fast and put on burlap, which, you know, when they, the tearing of the clothes and putting on burlap shows, you know, sorrow and regret and wanting to move forward in a, in a different direction. And as we discussed in the previous chapters, these are terrible, terrible people. Mm-hmm. And for them to so quickly turn to God Obviously, God knew what he was doing when he chose Jonah. Because he had to say it in some kind of way for it to be scary. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it, it's this had to have been also very convicting uh, for the people of Israel, who for hundreds of years have had prophets proclaim the truth to them and they reject it. And then this one stranger comes into Nineveh, they don't know who he is, and he says, you know, again, the shortest sermon ever, and everybody goes, oh, we must change our ways, you know. So it has to be convicting for Israel then, and it should be convicting for the people of God now uh, as well, right? Because these, the, the people of Nineveh are, you know, it's, it's, they represent, right, for us, the people who we see as outside God's covenant, those people over there who are living, you know, just immoral lives. And there's no way that, you know, they're beyond hope. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. They disgust me. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, even in verse eight, when they talk about calling out 
right? I believe it's their king. He's like, you know, they call out to God. That's the same uh, verbiage used in verse 6 and verse 14 by the sailors. The previous group of Gentiles, pagans, heathens, uh, I mean, just the people who you don't think belong or, or, or that should be loved by God are the ones that are always doing the right thing in this book. And Jonah, the one who's in a covenant relationship with God, is not, right? He's preaching fire and damnation and probably enjoying it. Right. Without a doubt. And what a, I mean, what a great thing that so often we can get so wrapped up and I've got to say the right things and I've got to do the right things and, and I want to witness to my friends and family and, and I'm, I'm afraid because I'm going to say the wrong things. And like you said earlier, all that all Jonah said was watch out in a month, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. And that's all it took. These people were convicted by the truth of who God is and what God could do. Mm-hmm. And revival broke out in this entire um people group turned and repented of their sin and, and turned to God and, and saving faith. And just know that, that it's ultimately God that's going to do these things. It's yes, we get an opportunity as, as believers to be a part of that and to see firsthand what God can do, but God will fulfill his or will accomplish his purposes with or without us. And I think that, that like you just said, um, Unfortunately, Jonah was a, a grumbling, complaining, uh, sinful kind of guy. That that, but even as we'll see in chapter four next week, Jonah didn't give God the glory that he deserved for what he'd done. I think it's interesting, in in contrast to what you just said, Brad, that the king, after hearing this, had said, "You know what? No one needs to eat or drink, not even your animals." because they're turning from their own ways and, and wanting to, to trust in the Lord and what he can do and provide for them. And they're one wanting to find a way to find their salvation in him, but to say that everyone must pray earnestly to God, people who had never had any really interaction with him prior to that. Yep. is really, it's, it's, it's really awesome to me and it's really amazing that and I know we've said this and we say this all the time it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you come from if god wants you he's going to he's going to grab you and i think also when we look at the people of Nineveh and what they do their their theology here I mean, it's certainly incomplete. I don't know if they're, it's, you know, if they truly enter into a covenant relationship with God, but it certainly are at least baby steps in the right direction. And I like how in verse nine, the king of Nineveh says, who knows? God may turn and relent. Um, This is kind of the same things that the captain of uh, the sailors in chapter one were saying. In both cases, they actually acknowledge that God is free to do as he chooses. Repentance and fasting does not obligate God to forgive, right? For us, we Mm -hmm. repent. We place our faith 
in Jesus to save us. But repentance does not obligate God, right? Mm -hmm. He chooses to do this because he is gracious, as as even Jonah himself says, right, in, in chapter four, verse two. You are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I mean, even these people in Nineveh, they don't necessarily, like I said, I don't know if they necessarily enter into a saving relationship with God. But at least just the fact that they're moving in the right direction, God goes, okay, I'm, I'm not going to destroy you now. Yeah, I'm, I, I was reminded of Psalm 51 where uh, the psalmist says that a broken heart and a contrite spirit, oh God, you will not despise. And I just, it's, it's just a simple, their heart was broken over their sinfulness. And in an act of contrition, they put on sackcloth and, sackcloth and ashes and allowed God to protect them, to provide for them in ways that he was not planning to. We do have a couple of discussion questions that we are going to allow uh, our listeners to discuss among themselves. So our first discussion question is, how do you respond when confronted with your sin? Do you respond the way the Ninevites do? Or do you try to minimize, deny, or justify yourself? The next question is, how do you respond when someone has greatly wronged you? Do you respond with vengeance or maybe you just respond with just, just letting it go, letting it slide? Neither of those are the correct answer. God himself does neither. Right? He uses Jonah instead to confront Nineveh. He won't let their sin persist. So that about wraps it up. We do want to thank Brad for joining us this evening. I always enjoy being with you guys. Awesome. And then next week, we will be looking at Jonah chapter four. So thank you for listening. And we pray that the Lord has shown you the richness of the word.